and welcome to Cinema Spectator, a show where an expert and a casual movie fan watch movies in the cinematic canon. Today's film is Hereditary, directed by Ari Aster, starring Tony Collette and Millie Shapiro. My name is Cameron Tuttle, and I'm joined with Isaac Ransom. Isaac, how are you doing? How is this depressing movie treating you? <laughs> is all I'm going to say, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm well. I'm I'm doing good, really busy. Um, I am so happy to be on camera and not sweating. Um, mm. You know, it just turns out when you're <laughs> podcasting, you just tur- you you end up looking like well, just me personally, Cameron. You you usually look the same, but I usually end up looking like a train wreck because I have to set up this whole rig and everything like that. Um, we're recording in the morning, so I'm just an absolute mess. I was trying to catch up on some work things before we hit the record button, and then uh, yeah, it's <laughs> it's been um, a journey to get here and sit down in front of you. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely enjoying the colder weather that's that's kind of hitting the bay right now. Nice wind, tons of clouds. It's it's been yeah, um, it's been great. I, I just I don't know the heat and and myself like they don't mix well. And it's it's just fun to kind of like, I don't know, it's like good movie weather. It's definitely good. Movie definitely. Weather. Definitely. So, yeah, yeah. I um, it, it's been raining the past couple of days um, up here. So, you know, I've kind of been. Uh, tucked away, you know, drinking my coffee. Um, you know, I, I've been, I've been almost watching, um, uh, almost a movie a night, um, uh, when I'm not working. So, which is, which is good. I watched a movie called cry macho, which is, um, uh, Clint Eastwood's new movie. It's, um, skippable I'd say, but, um, you know, it's, it's not, it's not the worst thing ever. Um, it has some good things. Um, kind of po- poorly made um, in a lot of ways, but um, I like the the feeling of it, and I I like how um, how like genuine it is in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, and there's something pleasant about it, I, I guess. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, not not worth most people's time, I would say. <laughs> um, and then I watched um, uh, me and Jesus also caught Silence of the Lambs in theaters. Um, uh, which was awesome. I, you know, I, I think that was my fourth time seeing it, third or fourth. So, um, I, it's a movie that I know uh, very well, that I am very um, familiar with. But every time I watch it, I end up coming away with something new or something, um, something like little details in the movie that are just so so wonderful and so good to like. It's a movie that has. A infinite rewatch value mm. for me. So, um, and and also, you know, uh, it kind of goes in with with the theme of um, some of the movies that we've been watching. But it, um, what makes a scene uh, a sequence tense? What makes a sequence, um, you know, actually genuinely frightening? Um, or you know, what kind of how do you leverage character in? Um, you know, a quote unquote, I don't, I don't really consider Silence of the Lambs a horror movie, but it is, I, I think it, it leans on elements of it. So like, how do you, um, how do you use character elements to inform sort of a scary story, um, or, you know, lead you to, you know, to that, to that frightening place in your mind? Um, I, I think it does, I think it does a fantastic job. It's, it's, yeah, it's actually one of my favorites for sure. Yeah, that's great. I uh, I have not seen that film. You know, I mentioned to that that to you earlier this more or last night, and you were like, "Whoa!" Like I, I really thought that's something you've seen, but I no, I'm I'm kind of open or interested in it, but at the same time, not like 
jumping to get into a serious, you know, drama, like a dark drama like that. Sometimes it's like just too many of those and it can it can get wearing on you. Actually, mm-hmm. Cameron, you and I had a discussion last night about like just sometimes how you have that craving for something really simple or bland or just <laughs> face value. Yeah. And I feel like um, I have been in that mode because, you know, last episode I was talking about how I saw No Time to Die. And I was like, mm-hmm. this movie like really doesn't recommend the amount of praise that I personally feel about the movie. I think I don't think it's yeah. like on paper the and even an execution like the greatest movie ever. But I just had such an enjoyable experience going to watch it that I was mm-hmm. like, I fe- I just feel like I have to recommend this film because I enjoyed it so much just sitting there back in the theater and whatnot. So I, I don't know, like I'm in this weird place when it comes to media where I'm just I'm kind of hungry for the surface level again. I just want to sit back and enjoy things. And um, yeah, it's it's good to be doing this podcast because it lets me like have just a little touch of like the analytical, like the deep stuff. And then the rest of the things I do on the the outside of like the podcast, I'm basically like, you know, just whatever's relaxing. Like I've been, I've been playing um, this game called destiny two, which is like pretty chill. It's very like chore oriented. You just kind of run through things. Um, I've been watching like Justice League TV show with Glenn, which is like just fun to rewatch. There's no pressure to overanalyze it. I can just appreciate it. You know, it's a great show. It's yeah. so good. I've I've really I, I really think that show is excellent. Um, and it's on HBO Max if you want to watch it. And um, I've been watching like a couple other like just TV shows with Jules. Um, there's like this show that she likes called you i think it is but we've been watching mm-hmm. it and the the latest season is like in um the bay area so it's kind of interesting to hear the commentary on it the show is very sh- strange tonally because it's pretty dark but then like it's really like I, I don't know like person commentating over their life very like sitcom or a rom-com-esque throughout it right, in, right, right even though it has a dark theme so i'm not like really drawn in by it i kind of just glazed over eyes watch it and because we're just hanging out and resting um but uh yeah overall like the stuff i the stuff i've been watching on the on the outside of what we watch for this podcast has been pretty bland um but it's been great because it's cold outside you can just kind of hang out and i i love it i'm, I'm totally into this weather and i think watching this film uh that we're going to talk about today like i was all about like just taking it in with how cold it was outside and stuff. So I don't know, like the, the mood was right for it. You know, we're getting into that, yeah. that spooky season, but, and speaking of Halloween and the, and the spooky times as we've been doing horror movies this month, Cameron, I want to get your hot take. What is the optimal Halloween candy? You can take this in any direction, just optimal <laughs> period. Um, well, I think just raw nuts actually, um, just being chopped up, uh, <laughs> It's not even candy. What are you talking about? I know. About? I'm, just, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Obviously, um, that's a joke uh, about this this movie. Um, um, no, I. So I. I don't know what you mean by optimal. I guess, but uh, my favorite um, and the one that you know, I will just like you know, you get how you get the big bag of like you know 500 pieces of candy. Or yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah. Um, the the one that I that I. Uh, seek out most especially um is is the reese's in that bag mm. um you know the single cup reese's also because like 
you know, there's there's like the there's like the king size Reese's, you know, you get four cups or whatever. Um, and then there's the normal size, you know, the double cup. Um, but really, I feel like the single packaged cup is like prime. You know what I mean? It's like it's like just enough. You get your sweet fix. It's a little salty. There's like something about it that's like it's just perfect to me. Um, just like, you know, a single Reese's cup. Um, and you know, it's the perfect shape to, to put, to stick razor blades in if you want to do that. So, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, when I, when I wrote out this question, you know, there's an economist in me, right? Like what, what is the path to least resistance and the most effective, satisfying candy? Am I overanalyzing this? Of course it's a podcast. What else are we supposed to do? (laughs) You know? Um, but I think Reese's is an excellent choice. You know, they put that wrapper on the outside so that you don't have to like, like get your hands dirty in some ways. Yeah, Do you know what I yeah, mean? Like perfect. And so that's what I was thinking about the most with this question is like, what like is not irritating to eat? Cause you know, you open mm. what, like an almond joy and you know, I don't know, maybe you've been running and then you got chocolate on your hands. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so with, for this question, I'm like, and also, like, I went to the theater recently, so I don't know why, but, like, Juliana, I was like, pick out a candy. And we get in the theater, and she's like, here, have some of this. And she just, like, puts it in my hand. I pop it in my mouth, and it was, like, raisinettes. I'm like, what the heck is wrong with you? You know, like, <laughs> I, I was like, I told you to pick out candy. Like, not, what is this, you know? And then, like, there's, I don't know. Like, for me, I was like, this is just a pain. Like, what a pain to eat. This. And I'm yeah. not saying it's, like, though, I don't, I don't hate on raisins. I know a lot of people do, but, like. It was the last thing I expected. So, um, well, I, I love actually in the theater, I love, um, Reese's pieces. Um, I, I think it's, that's a, that's another great, um, th- those are a problem though for me because they, they, um, they're, they're so tempting that you, you just can't, you just can't help yourself. <laughs> and, and, and <laughs> once you eat too many, like, you know, you, you, if you eat, that much peanut butter it's yeah <laughs> and sugar it's like it's it's just not a good time, well i was gonna know? say i think m&ms are the most optimal candy because like they have this, i love m&ms this, like yeah. protective hard shell that isn't really like yeah. gonna get your hands dirty too much and then like you can kind of if you want like the peanut you can do that if you just want chocolate they also have like pretty bomb like caramel m&ms or something those are like insane if you've had those uh, I, I love the peanut M&M's. Um, shout out to the pretzel M&M's too. Ooh, yeah, are really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah but which is interesting because I don't I don't really like hard pretzels um, usually like the, you know, pretzel sticks or whatever. I you know what I especially hate? Oh, gosh, I hate those pretzels that are peanut butter filled. <laughs> they literally are just chalk in your mouth. Like I just can't I cannot understand why people like those. I I disagree. I like them. I don't know what it is. I'm not sure why. I, <laughs> I couldn't t- tell they, you. It's like the salty outside that is like mouth drying and then the peanut butter gets in your mouth and it's it's just like it's like it takes over. You can't, you're, you're like stuck. Your mouth is glued together for, for the next five minutes. I definitely think the, that snack requires some kind of like beverage to be paired with it. You know, <laughs> like it's supposed to be complementing something. Right. And I think yeah. that's why it yeah. works. You, that's why you see it next to the, like the massive pub mix and the cheese ball. Right. Like the, true, the, true, the, true. it's like meant to be that like, yeah, the salty foil. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. But yeah, I think M and M's are perfect, especially if you get them in the little box. 
you know, because then you can one hand it and just like, yeah. you know, guzzle M&Ms. I- yeah, I actually love those little. Speaking of the the party snack packs, um, I love the little bags of M and M's too. It's like it's like perfect size. I I think for me, I'm not like a huge candy person either way. Yeah. So like, um, you know, if candy's around, maybe I'll have one or you know whatever. But um, I like the smaller sizes of candies because it's like totally like it you know gets your little sweet fix over and then you don't have to worry about like oh i gotta open this like giant bag of of m&ms or something you know you know what i mean like there's something about op- like opening a big thing of candy that makes you feel like you have to eat it too and then at that point you're like this is too much you, i can't i can't take this anymore I think we could go on this conversation a lot longer, you know, uh, but this is Cinema Spectator, a show where we talk about movies, not candy, although candy can be linked to movies. It's like those uh, Wikipedia speed runs where they're like Kanye West from Alexander the Great in 30 seconds, right? You know? Um, <laughs> yeah, I, so, lo- I love that game. <laughs> that's basically what we do on this show. You can support us at patreon.com slash ECFS Productions. Throw a couple dollars our way. Get exclusive access to a commentary track or a bonus episode every month. Uh, this month we did do a special just free for you guys. It's on Squid Game just because it's a popular topic. So you can check that out on your favorite podcast services where we usually post. Uh, if you don't have a few dollars, it's all good. You can give us a rating, tell friends and family. All that stuff helps the show grow. We really appreciate the support that you guys have been showing us. And uh, all the um, conversation around the horror movies that we've been getting from from the fans. I, I think it's great. Tim one of our producers reached out to me. I was like, man, like I'm just totally into this, the horror thing right now. And I think this film in particular has a resonating follow, like following behind it. And I think the conversation, like this is like one of the, the pinnacles of like horror, like horror movies in the last, what, five years, I think. Um, Yeah. And I, I know, I knew, I knew that going into this film. So it was really, exciting for me to like experience that and get in on the conversation with this one. So Cameron, how many more weeks of, of horror month do we have left? Do you want to, this is it. This is it. This is, this is horror, horror month. Unfortunately. I mean, we only get five or we only get four, four movies. I think last time we had five, didn't we? Mm, Yeah. Oh no, we added, we added another, we added uh, the, the thing from another world, but, um, yeah, I mean, you know, unfortunately, you know, we will have to move on. Um, so too too bad, too bad. But yeah, so um you mentioned that this is kind of one of the most well-renowned horror movies in the last 5 years. I would totally agree. Um I think there's um been a shift in horror movies since probably um 2013, 2014 when, you know, horror movies from um, I don't know. You could you could kind of trace it back to to the, you know the late eighties, um, early nineties. But I would say especially after sort of movies like Scream, uh, movies like Saw, movies like um, uh, I think the Scary Movie um franchise kind of um, uh, maybe um, it was it parodied it like in in a way that was was kind of. Um, uh, not prescient, but it was definitely touching on something that, you know, back then with, with horror movies, there was a mo- move of, you know, having very cheap ish slasher movies or 
cheap kind of oh paranormal actually paranormal activity is like one of one of the prime examples of what i'm talking mm, about mm. very cheap movies that um are kind of uh thrill i would call them like thrill rides they're you know they're kind of treating their plot and treating their um their audience like you might on you know in 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 an amusement park um the thrust of you know what what makes people want to go see these movies is to be scared to be thrilled um there's something about these movies that is very um uh well i mean i think the best word for it is just cheap um cheap in the way that it's it's produced in a lot of ways um you know paranormal activity especially has a reputation for being um very very uh low budget um and making huge returns so um you know there was there's plenty of these movies in in the 2000s up until the mid 2010s i would say and then there started to be um, smaller players in not just the horror movie scene, but the um, the movie scene in general. I think you know there there were a handful of small producers um, who often you know would buy festival films, often would buy independent movies, um, and the uh, you know A A twenty four is the company that. Um, released this movie i'm not sure if they produced it uh i i, I should have looked but um yeah a24 is a big player in this um annapurna is a, was another big player not so much anymore um neon a little bit as well so you know these companies that kind of uh, uh, occupy a smaller market share um you know it's not universal it's not um paramount or whatever you know they're not sort of the big production companies that you think of or big producers you think of um but they're ones that that kind of seek out a niche smaller product and i think with that um came a new life and a new breath in in sort of horror movies in general one that emphasized um story one that emphasized emotion uh one that was limited in scale in a lot of ways because of the you know budgetary restraints um and you know th this movie i i believe was you know was you know it, it wasn't super expensive to produce but it you know 10 million is the budget so that's not like uh the biggest in the world but it's not micro you know it's not it's not super tiny um and you know obviously uh it it ended up grossing many times that so uh you know it was it was one that thrust Ari Aster into success um as you know his first this was his first movie so um you know, it's 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 an interesting. Uh, this this comes, I would say, midway through that shift from being the cheap horror movies that you you used to get into the sort of newer, more artistic, probably slower and weirder for a lot of audiences. Um, you know, The Witch is an example of this, where it's like I don't know if people were really expecting <laughs> that movie um, and didn't really know what to do with it when it came out. Um, and this movie too, I think, um, as much as it has an acclaim, I think there is a little bit of of mixed reaction to this movie. Um, you know, just just looking at the user reviews on IMDb, you'll you'll find that there's there's a lot of like five, you know, ten stars or whatever of however 
they rate it. Um, and there's a lot of like ones, you know, mm. so there's people very confused about what this movie is supposed to be, um, which I, I'm, I'm not really sure why, because I think I think this movie is very straightforward <laughs> in a lot of ways, but it, it's probably not the horror movie that general audiences were expecting, I guess. Um, and, and I think I think we could definitely get into that. But yeah, I. First of all, just about like the kind of the funding in the background with this film, I actually know, well, I don't know much about this, but um, you might find this interesting. Ju- Juliana's dad was one of the founders and starters of um, Palm Star Media, which is one, one of the opening companies on this film. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what the heck? Like, I've never seen this this uh, group like name attached to anything. Um, yeah. And so it was it was kind of cool to see that connection for me because uh, the film does have a, you know, gorgeous presentation, but it does have a small, um, scope in, in the, in like kind of the settings and, um, yeah, you know, like you can tell that the movie is, uh, very laser focused and it uses that it uses it to its benefit, I think. Um, and I think it's, it was good that they didn't try to like widen the scope so much some of these like first debut horror movies um they stick to like a single location as the primary area of conflict with some outside places i mean a lot of it a lot of this film kind of uh reminded me of jordan peele's like get out because like Mm -hmm. it's focused on like this one house that sort of has like some secrets in it but there's also like a small attachment to the outside world. But really, as you think about the moments in the film, like what really sticks with you is like that house. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think that this, um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of surprised actually that this movie is divisive because, because my experience walking into it was set by some of the expectations you gave me saying that this movie was like, pretty out there it's really scary you know um and i kind of walked into this movie with a similar expectation that i walked into the shining and i know that's kind of a strange like comparison but like the shining to me as someone who like doesn't go to horror movies at all like i'm not really interested in them too much like that movie was like a serious treat in like this like I was like, I'm full sending into a film that is going to probably terrify me. And I only was like entertained by the way that it did that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, totally. and I think that this movie's the same where I walked in being like, this movie is going to terrify me. So I'm just going to try to enjoy how it does that versus yeah. being actually like just, you know, d- like disturbed or, or run away from it. Cause I, I, I really can't, handle like scary movies in a lot of ways so i have to sort of approach them very like in in a sterile way i'm not like i i know that there are some people that are junkies for like the thrills and and all that and i don't know like if this movie is effective with the thrills um i i found that the moments that were terrifying were enjoyable because i was going into like like experience them instead of like jump. I like, I hate jump scares. I hate like jumping around. Like that's just not my, not the way I enjoy 
um, horror movies. And so like when the reason I'm kind of comparing it to the shining is cause I don't think the shining has a lot of like, um, jump scares or like, like dark rooms. Like that movie is extremely bright and it has like this visual draw. Like there's like this visual, like unsettling side of that movie. I think that this... I don't know if there's any jump scares in The Shining. And I think I would classify one thing in this movie as a jump scare, but really it's not, it's not really, um, it, it, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty well telegraphed, I would say, but, um, yeah, we might, we might want to disclose this early on, but we're going to get into spoilers, like pretty, pretty heavy spoilers. There, there's actually almost no way to talk about this movie without talking about spoilers, so... But, but I mean, before we do that, I think, I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but I, I highly recommend this movie. I think, you know, especially if you're a junkie, um, for, for horror stuff, but also even if, you know, even if you like dramas, like this is a, this is a movie that, that really excels in that way. Um, and does so many interesting things with character, with, you know, sort of, uh, the topic of grief and kind of in in that realm. So I I recommend this movie. Strap in for a for a devastating experience though. So you know don't be <laughs> yeah don't think this is going to be a walk in the park or anything. Like this is a this is a brutal movie in a lot of ways. Um. So yeah, just just go and preparing that. But I think with Cameron's recommendation, I'm going to piggyback off it because if you walk in with the right expectation, I think you'll find something you really enjoy and. I know that a lot of this podcast is usually baked with a like a like a, usually a side of like no expectation at all or I'm supposed to walk in very like unknowingly like what what I'm about to experience but I actually like think that this movie is way more enjoyable if you know like kind of what you're about to embark on and um and that's how I can see maybe some people le- landing on the really negative side, um, cr- like in, in in some sort of like critic way. I I don't think that this movie is for everyone. And I don't even know if I like love some of the exploration of the themes because I think that it has a lot of good ideas, but it doesn't like um, really resonate in a way that is applicable for like direct reflection in life and dealing with grief. I found that this movie goes like, it goes off the rails for like some entertainment purposes, but loses like the conversation about like dealing with loss and grief just personally. I know that a lot of people, I'm sure that there are a lot of um, critics like yourself, Cameron, that can sit there and be like, no, no, no. Like all of it is symbolically like, um, representing a side of or the stages of grief or the experience of losing a lost one or a loved one. And I just, I felt distracted from that messaging because of the, um, the thrills of the movie and the drama instead of like leaning into that. And so I think that's like maybe my, my personal like subjective critique where I'm like, I just don't, I didn't feel like I got the heavy, like, like meat to chew on with with that stuff because i think the movie starts really strong with a conversation around grief and and losing someone that's a family member that has like negative and positive relationships with the family i i think that's like i think that that stuff i wish was fleshed out a little bit more but overall like i think if you go in with 
the expectation of it being like a, a tragic gauntlet, right? <laughs> um, I, I think you'll have a really good time. I and and one of the like Cameron told me like, oh, this this movie like you don't you don't really want to watch with Jules, and so I didn't. But I'm really split if she would have enjoyed it or not. Like I, I cannot <laughs> decide, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think that's a good testament to the way the film is put together um but yeah let's 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 go let's dive full into full spoilers um yeah i know that that it might not be the most clear recommendation it's i i feel like this movie is super difficult like to recommend because it is um I don't know. Like, I, I feel like there's a casual person that would absolutely love this and a casual person that would absolutely hate this. Yeah, and then, sure. like, yeah. I feel like anything above that, like, for the curious or for uh, the cinephiles, like, those guys are going to love it. You know, like, those guys are going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm all about this, you know? So, um, Cameron, let's get into, like, I guess we'll we'll get into the plot because we're, we're going to spoil it. Do you want to kind of give an overview? Because I don't even know if I fully understand. There's some stuff that I don't quite understand, but let's go. Let's go. Like, let's go. Spoilers into explaining like what happens in the film. Yeah. So, um, you know, starts with the passing of. Um, so yeah, I guess it it centers around a family, um, which is uh, Tony Collette as the mother, um, and uh, and then the dad, who's kind of, um, you know. He's a little, he's supportive, but a little bit distant from the, you know, from the rest of the characters, um, kind of a very classic dad, um, in a lot of ways. Um, and then there's the daughter who's played by Millie Shapiro, um, uh, who has, um, I guess it's, it's never really explained. Um, you, you think, I mean, you kind of think that she, um, has like something wrong with her or there's something a little bit off. But, um, I think really she, you know, Millie Shapiro actually does have a, um, it's a disorder of the bones, I think. Mm. Um, and, and that it kind of, uh, makes, um, facial structure, um, different. And actually the guy in stranger things has the same, um, disorder The the, kid with the curly hair yeah yeah i can totally see that now yeah um yeah so you know it's like millie shapiro isn't you know she's not like mentally ill but i i think the movie is like a little bit hinting at that i guess i'm I'm not really sure um but there's there's something a little bit off with the daughter and then the son alex wolf um or who's played by alex wolf who's kind of um you know classic uh, high school stoner kind of you know not a troublemaker um seems like a relatively good kid but you know is in high school he wants to he wants to hang out with you know with his friends behind the bleachers or whatever right um and uh you know so it starts with them uh and and uh the grandmother who we never actually meet but um the grandmother passes away um at the beginning of the movie and we see sort of um, the complication of, of grief and relief at the same time, uh, you know, you kind of get a sense of like a weight being lifted off the family in a lot of ways. Um, there is one little, uh, sequence where, 
um, you know, he sees uh, the uh, Tony Collette. Annie um, sees sees the grandmother, uh, you know, in the corner, which I think is a fun little moment. Um, it's maybe the only scare in the first half of the movie, probably. Um, but you know, it's a it, it kind of uh, there's there's themes of um, the grandmother maybe being a, a darker presence than than you know we originally might have thought and um annie goes to a a meeting a grief meeting and kind of gives a whole story of like yeah she was manipulative and my dad um you know starved himself to death and then my um you know my brother uh, uh killed himself or whatever and then she, uh, she and she's talking about how you know her mom had DID, which is Dissociative Identity Disorder, um, which is an interesting note to to mention, um, and dementia, which is another interesting thing to to think about in the context of what happens the rest of the movie, um, and uh, yeah, and so you know she she's talking about how you know there was just there was just a lot of tension in the family and it doesn't feel like anything's really been resolved, um, and it feels like it's you know it's kind of a weight, a, a cl- like she was a cloud hanging over the family. Mm, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, so they, they kind of continue and move on with their lives. And um, a little while later, the son, Alex Wolf, um, goes to a party um, and is forced to bring along her, uh, his, his sister. And um, she uh, ends up eating some uh, nuts at the party um which is she's allergic to them obviously yeah. um and uh which i think they established pretty well like there's there's kind of a passing um comment about it in the funeral like oh does that have nuts in it you know and and uh i i thought that was that was a nice little um, it's just a little touch yeah it's strangely memorable uh in the early moments of the film and for it to come back around like you're never like as soon as she starts having the allergic reaction, you're like, "Oh, like that's right." She, I, or I, we remember. Like I remember as an audience viewer, we like, yeah, yeah. Well, as I would say, as soon as they're chopping nuts, like a, a bunch of walnuts on the, oh, <laughs> on you the know, cutting board, I didn't actually you, get that. <laughs> I was, uh, I the 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 chopping was. There's another scene where they're like cutting tomatoes in the kitchen. So mm. there was all these different scenes of them like cutting stuff in the kitchen, and so I was like. Oh, like I wonder if this is gonna come back around because they keep like doing a close shot on them like working on the cutting board and whatnot. So I didn't. I thought it was something with the cutting board and nothing to do with that. What they were actually cutting. So <laughs> no, no, yeah, I it's it's definitely the nuts. That's that's the that's the telegraph. Um, yeah. So she she starts to have an allergic reaction as soon as as the sun gets you know blasted out of his mind, um, and um, and you know and so he. You know, he he's like, uh, like, I have to take you to the hospital. So he's driving. It's in Utah. So like, you know, there's it's basically just black um, yeah. <laughs> outside. And uh, what ends up happening is a serious accident um, where uh, as the the uh, the sister is trying to get air outside, um, Alex Wolf's character swerves and uh decapitates her <clears throat> with a with a telephone pole yes, yes. Um, on, on accident and and what what happens even a- after that i think is more horrifying 
um, which is something that you can genuinely imagine or a reaction that you might you might actually have um, if you're 16 and high out of your mind, um, which is. I don't know if that's real. I'm going to park the car and go upstairs and go to bed and wish that it was not real. Yeah. And so that's that's what he that's what he does. And there's an amazing shot where he's he's in bed and and kind of and you hear Tony Collette go downstairs and and start screaming. It's it's awesome. It's you know one of the most effective things um maybe I've seen in a horror movie ever, but definitely um definitely the most effective thing in this movie um for me. And um as just like sheer sheer horror um and then there's that that hard cut to the to the head on this on the side of the road, which, you know, just just a wonderful. Um, yeah. What what a what a brutal thing to do to to your audience. <laughs> yeah, there's I mean, I would say like that's where the movie it it's like the intensity is notched up. And there's I, I found that like it was laid with like a double tragedy in some sort of way that, that I think could have fallen apart really easily. And this is one of the first things that I wanted to talk about in terms of the, uh, the filmmaking is how this movie continues to layer like pain and grief on top of the family with some pretty extreme scenarios. Right. And I, and I think that the movie could have fallen apart comedically if it wasn't for how strong the performances are like basically supporting, um, the movies like intensity because, because there was a moment where like Tony Collette's like crying out loud. Right. Um, after this happened, and I was thinking to myself, like, wow, like, you know, that's that's pretty convincing. But I was like, if it was just an octave higher or if it was like <laughs> if it was just a little bit differently, like executed the like the the the, the crying part. Right. This would have been stupid, you know, like this would have totally, been really, totally. really like ineffective. And yeah, it's always like teetering on that line of like dealing with some absurd scenarios and making you still feel like they're real, even though they're ridiculous, you know? Um, and I, well, I would, I wouldn't say like absurd. I would definitely say they're extreme scenarios, extreme examples of, you know, of, of terrible things happening though, you know, to be fair, this, this, uh, beheading thing was actually, um, uh, based on something that really did happen. Um, so, you know, just, just to put it out there. Yikes. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, no. And, you know, so obviously the grief, um, follows that and sort of the tension of the family, you know, being thrust into this scenario where, you know, that you, you, your kid kills your other kid on accident and, you know, out of, uh, basically out of negligence and they're sort of, um, anger and, uh, but, sympathy at the same time um and it it kind of boils over at this great dinner scene where you know there's this confrontation um which i I think you know is is a really really effective way to do 
horror in this way where, you know, it, it's it's focusing on sort of the dramatic impulse um, of of the of the movie. You know, the you're connected to the characters through sort of the emotional journey um, before anything actually scary happens. Um, and then, you know, after this is kind of in the third act where where the movie um, takes a little bit of a left turn um, and she starts to be approached by a um, uh, a person at the one of the support meetings, one of the grief support meetings who um, convinces her to go home and perform a seance um, uh, to, you know, to basically uh, bring back her her daughter. But in reality, she's actually um, a cult member and a friend of the grandmothers um, and is kind of playing this elaborate game um, in order to uh, <laughs> in order to um, re uh, I, I guess uh, hmm I guess how do you how, how would you say this their their plan is to embody the 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 king of what or one of the eight kings of of hell um, in Alex Wolf's body Um but in order to do that, they have to to basically kill the family and um, put the spirit of Millie Shapiro into Alex Wolf's body, <laughs> right? And uh, I... and and with along with that, obviously, that's you know the plan, and it's kind of it's kind of goofy, I would say, um, in that um, it's le- it's leaning into the to the you know classic horror element um but you know along with that that's where kind of where you get the traditional scares uh you know you get this this great sequence um downstairs where you know they're performing the seance and things kind of go a little bit wrong um and everybody starts to get freaked out and then you know there's you know there's uh, there's a bunch of oh and and then you know when she she throws the book in the in the fire and the husband uh, catches on fire is amazing. Um, you know, so there's, there's these, there's these like general scares that, you know, the, the movie like picks up into in kind of the third act, um, that are, I I don't want to say they're like for the, you know, for the horror audience. Um, but I think in some ways they're, um, uh, I guess a little bit of a detour in terms of, of what actually, um, you know, what the movie is kind of setting up um, initially. Um, not to say that it's bad because I think, I think it works. And I think the payoff of it turning into sort of this traditional horror movie um, kind of makes it like if it, if it started with, with, you know, the cult leader and, you know, them being like, well, here's this elaborate plot and blah, blah, blah. Like it would, it would totally be stupid, but because you're invested in the characters and in the character drama, um, it makes it it makes it much more enjoyable. And you know, uh, I think I think the horror thrills are kind of thrown in there for um, for the thrill of it. Well, but. I would say that the the like the wild conclusion, the 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 like participation of the cult plot line or something was definitely the weakest part of the film for me. And I think that it was integrated in the ending to make the film feel like the accelerators pushed at the end. 
that like it it's really like this frantic um kind of chase honestly because because we watched um what's the what's the what's the movie we watched last week with uh texas Chainsaw yeah, massacre yeah the, the, like that movie has sort of like a similar frantic chasing ending that i felt like was actually somewhat mimicked in this film um mm-hmm. with the way that like uh peter jumps out of the window like smashes through the window like very similarly to yeah to yeah, yeah. the way that that girl character jumps through the window uh upstairs with old people you know kind of kind of like very very um inspired by some of that right um i thought that this film really could have had a powerful statement about grief in the ending with tony collette's character and there's that brief moment with the dad and her where he's like oh like you're the one that like dug up the body and brought it here you know, like, like, yeah. I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, is this movie really going to turn into, like, a deep character study and get back to that grief thing? And it doesn't really, you know, like, I, I, I feel like the end is um, super, like, just it's it's out there. And I don't I don't think that, like, I think it really strips a lot of. um kind of like symbolic meaning for me i know that maybe some people like you might disagree cameron but for me the ending is just goofy um even though it is effective and exciting like it doesn't it doesn't further the conversation around loss you know yeah well in in some ways i kind of um i i'm not sure that i disagree um because i i think it's very clear that the ending is um uh, not not to say it was it was tacked on necessarily, but I think you can tell like the movie, the thrust of the movie originally is supposed to be the, um, the, the family dynamic of it. Like that's that's kind of where the, where the the movie is pointed, um, originally. Mm-hmm. And I think probably there might there might have been a little, um, studio, um, you know, saying like. Hey, this uh, let's make it let's let's boost up the horror element of it. You know, yeah. um, I think it, that could have been the case. But in in some ways, I almost don't mind it because the the breaking point for you, the the sort of the way that that the relationships break down. Um, I'm not necessarily sure that it, that you need a lot more. Um and I think I think you can you can get the the feeling you can get the sensation of um, like what the movie is about. Um, and I I don't know that it necessarily needs to needs to dive that much deeper into it. I think the the dramatic element. I mean, even just uh, that that dinner sequence. I think is so brilliantly done. Um, and, and and it's one of the um, I mean, for me, it's one of the the shining moments of this movie because it is, um, it 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 is horrifying, it but in the in the dramatic sense. Um, there's something about it that I, I don't know that that feels satisfying enough. Um, where obviously there's 
you know, and I guess in real life, you know, there's probably no coming back from from that situation. Um, I don't know what you would do if you were if you were a mother. Um, so so in my mind, I love the. I love the interaction with with the characters. I love the dramatic mm. pulse, and I love that turn where, um, you know, where the dad says like, "You did this. Like this is this is your, um, like you put you dug up the body. You you put it in the in the attic." I love that turn because it does the same exact thing that it it would if, um, you know, if it if if we found out that that there was no cult and it was all, you know, it's all in her head and whatever. It's the same effect. It doesn't, it doesn't really go that much deeper into, you know, into the character arc. Um, the fact that there is this sort of this supernatural element or there is this cult element, um, is kind of just one more fun thing to be, to be intrigued by in the end. And it's not, it, it's not that it takes away for me from from the rest of the movie, and also um, I think it does work in the um, it, it it does work uh, maybe not I think literally it's it's a little bit too a, a little bit overexplained for my liking. I like a little bit more mystery um, or more ambiguity in these kinds of things. It's pretty like they they like he spells it out like what's going on <laughs> you know what i mean um he's very like clear about about what's happening but um you know in my mind i think i think it is effective um even character wise and thematically um i think the fact that there's this sort of looming malignancy um from uh, from the grandmother, um, you know, works on the level of, of, you know, her, uh, turning into sort of the demon that, that she always fears, um, and her being like continuously haunted by the, the body, the headless body of, um, of the grandmother, um, being almost like the, the, you know, you get the sense that, or she says that the grandmother is manipulative, um, and then you see sort of how, how she's been spinning this web this whole time with like friends of hers and, uh, you know, cult, like the cult members, but they you know, they're just like totally people who have like planted themselves in her life, um, who she, she wouldn't have known about, um, for, for very manipulative purposes. Um, I just, I like how, how even though it goes, you know, it goes fully into the, traditional horror movie element i like how even then it keeps its keeps its bearing and it's rooted in the um the dramatic purposes and then also you know the mother she's uh there's kind of this theme of her her sleepwalking you're not really sure if that's true or not um you know you get a sequence of her sleepwalking but uh you know you're not you're not really sure if that if she's telling the truth to Joan, um, you know, that, that sequence I'm talking about, uh, where she says she, you know, she was, she found herself sleepwalking and she was covered in, in paint thinner and, you know, she was holding a match and she woke herself up and you kind of get the sense that she might be lying. Um, right. Right. And, and, uh, you're not really sure. 
and so you know then it, it comes back later and there's this there's a sense of like you never wanted me to be around um and uh and there's that great i love the dream sequence where you oh, know, she yeah. follows the ant oh yeah and so uh, and uh then she you know she starts to to catch on fire and she's talking about how she uh she never wanted him um and she, it's almost like she can't stop herself from saying things right right um and it's it's so brilliantly done because that is the scariness of that sequence, you know, which is very much that's in the horror movie segment, you know. Mm-hmm. But the scariness of that sequence comes from the drama that happened before, um, and it comes from the the tension that you feel of her character as someone who totally almost i i would assume despises her son now for for doing what he did yeah and um the son who feels like she's never wanted him she's never accepted him um and even now uh, you know especially now that there is this you know tragic mistake that he made even now she's she's trying to torment him basically like that's that's what he's feeling and then the fact that he like the the mother is the monster in the house at one point is even more leaning into the fact that he like the terror comes from the fact that he does he's not really sure what what she can do like right. she, he he already thinks that she she tried to kill him mm-hmm. like <laughs> uh, early early on in their life so so he feels like especially now there's something there's something much more dangerous about um and unhinged about what what she's doing yeah um, so i i love i love how even even though you're, you're right it does turn sort of um traditional and it kind of leans into the horror element i don't think it loses the 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 thematic thrust or the narrative, you know, like what, what centers you with the characters is, is still sort of the emotional impulse of everybody. I think I really loved everything up until the moment that there were other people in the attic. That's where, (laughs) that's when I was like, yeah. Uh, like everything, everything from that point was like, not a joke, but like way less, impactful than like i mean for me like the the excitement was right like like turned up to 11 �����������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������
um, with headphones on. And just to like appreciate the stereo soundscape with this film, it's, it's just fantastic from, you know, the, the click sounds in the classroom, like the sounds they play with the, the placement of those Mm -hmm. clicks, like around your ear in the stereo space. So like when I was watching, I was like, Oh my goodness, it's from the left. It's from the right. And I had this experience where I was like, watching it and I was like, I can't tell what sounds are in the movie and what sounds are like around my surroundings, like Mm, watching this mm. film. Right. Um, and so like, I think that the, uh, sound design is just some like, just so good. So, so good. And the scoring adds a level of intensity to the drama when, in reality, some of the scenes with the ominous synthesizers and stuff, like the scenes would be nothing without the scoring. Like I, I genuinely believe well, that. Well, I, I wouldn't say that, but I, I would say they, they definitely, it leaves you feeling very tense and very uncomfortable through a lot of scenes where it would probably, you know, if you scored it differently, it might make it you know, feel, feel very differently. Um, yeah. I th- uh, but I, I don't think, I don't, I don't think anything in the movie is like, like bad or no. you, you know like there's there's no mo- moments where it's like oh that's ridiculous but then the score is like you know totally like pushing it over you know well, what um, what i would say is it amps up mundane scenes that's what i'm saying like yeah the scenes yeah, where someone's sure. just walking are suddenly they, they're suddenly intense because of the scoring and i i don't know if i don't know if you noticed this on this viewing cameron and maybe it was because but like so much of this film i feel like inspired what happens in a recent game that you and I both played called Returnal. And I think the scoring is like heavily inspired from this movie and Mm. Returnal, like even the protagonist's like face looks very similar to like Tony Collette's in, in, in some of the scenery. Um, And so I think like this movie laid some of the groundwork for what, um, inspires other creators in 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 what in what they're making i i was shocked how much of this movie's score reminded me of returnal score and because there is sort of this spatial like synthy futuristic sound to this movie Mm. that clashes with the old house and um kind of makes it have this uh like there's there's something about like space sounding scores that make you feel adventurous or ex- like this sense of exploring and so it mixes this this minor creepy hum with like these little like arpeggiated synths that make you have this strange feeling of you're embarking on an expedition to see like what's around the corner you know i don't know how to fully explain it but it's it's what Returnal does because there's something obnoxiously horrifying about that game where you're like, I might die around the corner, but I need to know what's around the corner. And the, mm. this, the, the score amplifies that. And I felt that same emotion with the scoring in this film where it's like, I have to know what's around the corner and the little arpeggio, the arpeggio like synth thing is playing as she's following the ants down the hallway. It's like, and I'm like, what is, and then there's like that low, like sound, right? Like, like the low, yeah. like synth thing. And I'm like, there's something about it. That's like, it's pulling you. It's like, it's really pulling you in, you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah. I think uh, just huge props to the sound 
and the scoring and there's also like just some incredible visual moments in in this movie um totally i'm just gonna name a few you can you can do some too after this but like the visual treehouse with the red lights on uh peter's eyes like at night as he's really like beginning to be freaked out by what happened or um when any anything in peter peter's bedroom where he's like trying to sleep is like just all the every corner of the room is dark and the bed is lit by the window above it so like when i love that moment that actually the most haunted one of the, well one of the most haunting moments in the movie for me is when he um he sees charlie oh, in, yeah. next to the door and her head falls off and it turns into a basketball and it's amazing it's so like I, there's something so freaky about that, that I, sequence. Did that, I was it a basketball it. or was it like for, for it was some, like a, a ball? A, it's a rubber ball. I or was something. like, I, I don't. It, I don't that remember. reminded me of the ball in like Toy Story. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. I was like, it's yeah. the Toy Story ball. What the? <laughs> you know, like what's happening? Yeah, um, but that's that's what's awesome about it because like. Um, you know, you could imagine a different movie where, you know, she she's like she explodes into like like ants and then like, you know, she's there's she turns, you know, her head turns around and like, you know, there's like so there's something so simple about it. You know, the head falling off and then turning into a basket like a ball. You know, it's it's just it's it's awesome. There's like, so much there's so freaky. there's so much powerful timing in this film. You know, you mentioned the the grandma showing up when when she turns off the light or something or turns Mm -hmm. on the light. Right. That scene, like my gut dropped, but what was even more like, like it wasn't like, Oh, you're scared. It's like, Oh, it's just everyone's, this movie leans into like everyone's worst fear is like when the light is off and you see a lampshade and you're like, is that a person there? Or is it a (laughs) lampshade? You know, like that's like the, that's the worst feeling when you're in the house alone or you're going to bed late. Right. And so like, you kind of check the light, right? And that scene where like, like nothing happens in the scene. But what makes it scary is that not only are you shocked to see the reveal that there is someone standing there, right? But then it just holds. And like nothing happens for the perfect amount of time. It's probably like yeah. three or four seconds. It's like, <laughs> we're not only going to make you like, we're not even going to make you second guess that you saw something. Like you do see something, and you now we're gonna make you just sit there and like really be like, what's what's gonna happen? That's and the, then there's a the reverse shot. She says, "Mom." Yep. And then she turns on the light, and it's gone. Yeah, and it's uh, awesome. Uh, it's uh. so per- it's so perfect. Um, yeah, and and like you said, like there's there's obviously something very scary about when you t- you know you turn off a light and you're like, is that a person? It, we've all had that experience. Oh yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Every everybody has, but. There's something cheap about having that scare in a in a movie and then, you know, and then it jumps out at you. You know what I mean? Like there's right. there's something very cheap about that when the innuendo is totally enough. We yeah. all know. Like we all get scared by that thought. Um and you know, uh, uh, other good movies do that. I'm trying to think of one. Um uh but do this with um with like people um i i think actually there's a there's a moment in saw uh the original saw that's that's really well well done in this way where um uh it's like a a note of dramatic irony um where you know someone's in the house um but 
you know, the, the character doesn't, and you also don't know where they are. And then, so when you, when you find out, you know, like when, when there's that reveal shot, um, which is kind of similar, like, um, there's something, there's something very, uh, very freaky about that, I guess. Oh, Um, dude, I think it's so powerful when a film plays with like the audience knowing something that the protagonist or the person you're following doesn't know and how much, how engaging that is for the audience to almost root for that person that doesn't know what's about to hit them. I think like I, the scene that's most recent that comes to mind is when we watched um, memories of murder. And there's that scene where the girl's like walking in the field and you see like the silhouette of the guy like pop up in the field. And then he like goes down and hides again. And you're like, Oh, come on. Like she can get out of this. Like there's something about it where you're like, I know like there's, she has to have a chance. Right. And that's another perfect jump scare moment too. Um, in the same way that this movie does it. Yeah. Uh, It's, it's like very, very similar. But Um, I, I feel like, uh, like a, a scare like that is not like, it's, it's way more engaging for, for the audience, right? Like it's way more exciting to be into something like that. And everyone knows like scenes in films that, that do this where I'm man, I haven't, I haven't watched through all of alien, but I, I haven't watched through all of alien in a long time, but isn't there a scene with like, like saliva or something like falling and the character doesn't know, or there's like a tail behind the character or something like that. You know what I mean? Um, Yeah. Yeah. So like there's those moments are like used pretty often. I think they, should be used often. I think they're just great. Like I, I, I feel they're like awesome. they're just so they're so good. And this movie has a lot of them. Like a lot yes. of moments yes. where you <laughs> you see so like in the final moment where Peter runs downstairs and finds like the burned body and um then you see uh Annie like clinging to the ceiling like Batman. Uh <laughs> 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 like um and like you're just getting his reaction like oh i don't really know like what's happening right now and he also like uh alex wolf's performance is great as like really he's he's sympathetic but very passive and also like he's great at being a whiny in this movie um <laughs> it was weird yeah because yeah, i was yeah. like he's he's whiny i I know this is this is a strange thought, but I was like, you know, he's kind of it. Kind of feel I kind of feel like Hayden Christensen would have been great at this role, like somehow. Like I was thinking about Anakin in no, like no, in Star he, Wars. He would have been terrible. No, but I, 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 well, like I feel, the fact that I think the fact that he's he's like, well, I guess Hayden Christensen has that too. But um, he he feels like like um like blocked off in in like a way that it, that a real teenager is too you know like mm-hmm. like he feels very like distant um you know he's just trying to hang out with his friends and like um you know his oh man my mom's just like just like disturbing my vibe you know um and uh obviously once once things go off the rails he he's he's like fully in it um also i love i love that sequence Another just like haunting moment in in this movie. Um, the the sequence with the desk um, is like so so brilliantly done. Um, you know, you get that moment where um, he he puts his hand up, and it's like a little bit off, 
And then the teacher calls on him and you get the reverse shot of him being like totally messed up. And then um, he slams his face on the desk. And it's not just the slam that's scary. It's the he he falls down and starts screaming and everybody is like backing away from him. And there's that like prolonged shot of him like screaming that is just so it's so well done. I I think it's like it's it's awesome. Yeah, the the, the some of the scenes in the classroom are are pretty pretty fun to watch with like there's something about it that's relatable because as a high school student most of the time you're like not really paying attention and so you're like looking at things around the room. So like when the reflections like looking sm- at someone's butt in a chair. Yeah. <laughs> Well, like when you like the scene where he's like looking in the glass and the reflection is like smiling back at him. Like, I'm like, ooh, that's that's pretty that's pretty creepy. You know, like it's it's um, all all those elements in the film make it just feel iconic in in a lot of ways. And I think. Yeah, I I feel like if you're willing to embark on this film, you're going to like with with. I feel like this film does need a little bit of context. I don't think most people can walk into this movie blind and um, you don't need to know anything about the movie's plot, but like just me knowing that it was going to be like pretty, pretty, um, pretty gritty to get through, like help me enjoy it much more. And I do want to say that this movie isn't the ideal like scary movie that I want to watch because my fate, one of my favorite things to notice um, with horror films is like this inclusion of comedy as a relief moment. And this film, one, one of the things I know I noticed about it towards the end, I was like, this movie's like not funny at all. Like there's never, it, there, no. it does not <laughs> let up. Like this movie no, does not let up. And so I think that's what makes it so um, special or even like, notable is because the movie has the guts to say we're not going to give you relief you know we are going to full send it into this this experience and into like some pretty real somehow relatable drama like in a family dynamic too right um i think that takes some pretty high skill to mix the scares and some like you know painful drama to to get through like i just i think one of the things that surprises me the most about this film is how um it it is it is so like for lack of a better word like mature and and it it um it remains engaging it does not and does not ever um it does not ever like what's the word it like never it never like devalues itself it never like voids its its power or, or its its execution with because it's so skillfully put together um i feel like a lot of other people approaching a movie like this would have moments where audiences would laugh or audiences would just disengage. And I think this movie does not let you disengage and it does it surgically, like very surgically. So, yeah. Um, Yeah, no, I totally agree. And, and I almost, I feel like um, there's something, um, there's something to be said about the fact that it's, 
it's effective without being um like desensitizing i guess mm. um that's the and, word that's a good that's a good word for it yeah and i i think the um the the end third like the shift that happens um i think it actually it, it comes at the right time it comes at a time where you're like so um, you're keyed into the characters. There's this break in in sort of their relationships. Um, the drama is kind of at its highest um, at that moment, and like, uh, and it's super well done too. Like you you feel you feel engaged with with the characters, and so that so when that horror movie starts in the third act. Um, it feels like it's it's not just a a shift in in sort of the tone of the movie, but it feels like it's it's kind of a like a compounding element um, to to the horror, and it, it it almost it almost brings it to a place where, um, you know, if if you had another tragedy in this movie. Um, where like, you know, the dad dies or whatever, or some, you know, something like that. It would like the drama was already at its highest level. So then once the, the horror movie element matched it, that's when you get this, this like symphony of like drama and, and horror. Um, and, and that's, that's what I think that's what it does so successfully. And then, um, at the very end and, you know, this is kind of the, one of the things we were talking about yesterday. Mm, Um, yeah. Um, there, there's something. Uh, what did I say yesterday? I said I, I'm thinking a lot about how how sort of like movies are are very similar to music in in so many ways. One way is the way that scenes make you feel um, is kind of similar to how us in a song chords are constructed to make you feel a certain emotion, and the relationship of the chords is kind of what gives you that. You know, if if you just play like a, a C, you, you know, you have no you have no motion to compare it to. But if you play a C and um, something that's very dissonant with a C, um, that gives you this this mood. It gives you this feeling. So um, in my mind, uh, movies are the same way where you can have a you can have a scene or you can have a, a relationship, a character that feels um one way in without context and then in the context of the movie um takes a totally different turn and and kind of makes it um makes it feel much more dark or scary or happy um or you know something like that and and it, it's about the relationship between those scenes um and this movie is like um it's like it's like a a bunch of diminished chords going over and over um in in relationship to each other and then it ends on this like this triumphant uh uh like resolve <laughs> that's yeah. very it's very weird to have um but i think it i think it works well and i i like it as much as it's it's like very um uh it feels weird i i, I i'm not going to deny the end feels like it comes out of nowhere and it's kind of odd um, but I like that it's like it's like there's this there's this like really disturbed um uh pathway to get to this 
like traditional like triumphant ending mm-hmm. <laughs> and not not triumphant in a good way triumphant in a bad way yeah which, but it, it's, is, it's is mixed better. it's mixed with a very like positive ethereal sound right yes, like it's it's yes. very like oh, right like it's it's over <laughs> even though you're like what is like what is even yeah. happening right um yeah which i, I love i love i think i think that's that's kind of hilarious and it's a good way to end a movie where where there would be no if if it even if it ended where it was like um you know like Alex Wolf like fighting off the mom or running away or something like everybody would would think that was dumb. You know what I mean? Like the if if people got away, if it if anybody in this movie got away, that would be dumb. Um there's no way to end this movie without um the the grandma's plan being successful <laughs> you know yeah i think that there might have been it... yeah yeah i don't i don't know the ending i was just kind of like okay uh okay <laughs> i guess yeah you know yeah. um i think it would have been interesting if it kind of climaxed and then had like a hard switch of like extremely i mean i guess it is bright it's very tungsten but almost like white and heavenly uh, almost to like, like create this, uh, juxtaposition in, in the entire film. Um, but you know, it's, it's a creation that's done and it's finished and you can experience it. And I don't, I'm not going to, I don't know, like there's, you can always say like a create a, something creative that was put together could be done differently. Um, if I, if I was doing it myself, right. Or something like that, but I'm not doing it myself. I'm not even making movies. So who, who cares? Right. You know, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) like it's, it's, um, it, it, I don't, I don't, I don't love the ending. I just think it's like, okay. You know, I, I find that the earlier commentary around grief and loss is like what I wanted to experience more of or dive into more and consider more. I I honestly thought that the movie was going to talk a lot about elderly people being like a burden or, you know, people not really caring for the elderly in, in some sort of way. And I thought that would have been um, a really interesting path to go down. It kind of sparked this idea for a film in my own mind about like um, maybe like dystopian kind of, like like a horror movie around um going to like an like an old person's home or something like that um like who knows maybe we'll get like old robert de niro to play a guy who's forced (laughs) to live in this you know uh this old person's home and then there's like this whole plot against old people in there or something like that you know um because i feel like that that's that's a theme that that this movie definitely could, could have, um, you know, knocked out of the park in some way. Um, but for what it is, I think it's of course masterfully like made. Um, I don't know. I think what, what, what saddens me about the film is there's so much drama. There's so much suspense and I don't know like what exactly I'm supposed to pull away from it. Um, because of sort of the silly resolve at the end and i'm just like okay you know i i feel like there could have been something really 
important to chew on it. And this is usually the problem with, with horror films is that they, they don't, for me personally, they never are satisfying endings. Um, they never can stick the landing, uh, in, in a way that makes me want to return to the genre. Um, because the endings are usually either just goofy, crazy, weird, or expected, you know, or like kind of predictable. Yeah. Not really. I, I don't know. I, I'm not drawn by, by, by the endings of these kind of movies more in the, the content or, or the statements. Cause early, yeah, early horror is so, and, and cause I, I ended up, I like, I always mentioned, like I took this class in college about horror films, like early horror is, is really social comment, like really strong social commentary, like in its earliest in, in, in an entertainment medium, it, it like has this way of, of cutting through and speaking to, um, some like issues that need to be addressed. I'll never forget. There's this movie called, um, gaslight, I think that we watched in school. Mm -hmm. And that movie has a lot to do with like, like husband wife dynamics and some of the problems that are found in relationships. And I just remember it did it in the, in the context of, um, you know, them fighting if there's like a ghost in their house. Right. Uh, and he's like, you're crazy. And she's like, I'm not crazy. And I'm like, wow, this is, like, this is so like remove the ghost. And you have a real interesting conversation about people's relationships, you know? Yeah. And I, I never felt like this movie had that moment where it's like, remove the ghost and you'll have a really interesting conversation about relationships. It's so close. There's so many moments in this movie that are like, it's, it's, um, it's clearly hitting on something about a family dynamic going through a hard time, but I never know where the creator, like the, the creators of this movie are like what they're, I never understood what they were trying to say with it. It was almost more of a like representation of what that would look like in, in a horror setting. Right. Like it wasn't necessarily, yeah trying to make a statement around that. And I was like, but don't you, don't we need to address the elephant in the room? Don't we need to like kind of well, get into I this? I don't know. Cause, cause I, I think, I think the representation of it, um, is well done enough. Um, um, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it needs to say anything more than it does. Um, I, I like the fact that it, it has, um, it's almost very uh i i guess it's a little bit ho hopeless about the um the relational aspect of things that that sometimes i i think it's it's maybe it's more just matter of fact um it's uh i i think it's saying like sometimes things just destroy families yeah um i guess sometimes things just destroy people's relationships to one another um and sometimes that thing is ourselves. Um, yeah, I I don't know. Like I'm just not. I don't I don't think that that's like. I, I don't. Maybe it's like it's just a subjective thing. But I'm like, is that it? That feels so broad. You know, like it feels so like. Like it could have been so much more specific and impactful and it's fine. Like it is, like it is what it is. I, I still feel like really positive about the film, but I'm like, 
you went through all this effort and you went through all like this like masterful creation technique right like you're you're putting together something really special maybe maybe like maybe you could say something really like i i don't know i don't know i just i for me the the meaning side of this movie can be interpreted in so many directions that it almost feels like it is too broad for me or or maybe it's just so dense that i don't and and i'm just so like not able to interpret it. Maybe that's what it is. Like, I'm just like, okay. Like there's just, I don't know. I feel like I could go on and on, but I never, I didn't resonate a meaning from the movie. It just kind of tickled some themes and I'm like, okay. You know, like I, you know, that's fine. Um, yeah, I don't, I guess I don't, I don't, um, I don't need it to be more than, than even just, um, like this movie is very pro- provocative in in a lot of ways. Like it says things that aren't um, that that aren't aren't comfortable to say uh, about about loss and about grief and about guilt too. I think I think the the element of guilt in this movie is really really well well explored, um, and it's one of my my favorite aspects of the movie is mm. is just the fact that um, people don't know what to what to people blame each other and people don't know how to reflect on the, on, uh, on their actions. Um, and, and there's this, there's this hanging sense that, um, you know, both, both Annie and, and the son feel like, uh, each other is to blame. Um, yeah. And feel like there's something, uh, you know, there's there's a pointing, a pointing fingers at each other, um, but the fact is, they, in some ways, they both are, and in some ways, there's no, there is no one to blame. Um, it it was it was a freak occurrence in a lot of ways. Yeah, um, yeah. And so and so there's there's something there's something about about guilt that I think you know whether or not it it's trying to to put together a message i mean i i am not sure that it is but it's trying to illustrate guilt um and um what comes along with that uh that kind of tragedy i guess um i i think it does it very well too yeah i i actually um I, we got to wrap this conversation up because it's going on, it's going long but guilt and a response to guilt in films a lot of people have different kind of opinions and feelings about it and maybe i have a subjective draw to a more positive resolution with guilt i mean i think about um the book kite runner that we read in in high school and there that that entire book is all about dealing with guilt for a traumatic event that happens early on in the story and how this guy basically struggles through it for the, you know, 60% to the end of the, of the book. Right. And that, that story and that book, like I did, I didn't like what it had to say about guilt. And I know that my English teacher was like, Oh, well you don't, you don't have to like what it, what it says, but it's like, there's, 
there was there was something about like I guess the perspective of the messaging around guilt that I was like it's almost um it it like it feels personal like somebody had they're obviously writing from a place of um like personal experience and then kind of masking it in this in this story right and they felt smart enough to like put together a statement about how they dealt with guilt but it wasn't for me like it wasn't a position of wisdom does that make sense like i know this is getting like really kind of out there with with you know storytelling and meaning and so it's like it's not that again this is me being like a selfish viewer chewing on on media or literature right but it's like if you're gonna go all this effort to to like i'm gonna sit here and read your entire book and essentially like at the end of kite runner my feeling was this book has no wisdom like that i appreciate you know um it might be great that he's telling me his feelings or his his revelations in the moment but i didn't like my my life view i'm like i just don't think people need to to hear that i don't think that um it's not it's not something that's that's for me you know like i don't i don't feel like that's um that helps helps me deal with grief at all you know um Whereas the movie, uh, the Irishman, which really resonated with me, uh, in a conversation about grief that had to me more of a real impact, maybe with my own worldview. It's not necessarily that it was like my exact, you know, thoughts on grief or exploring that or dealing with it personally, but like it kind of gave me a vision into dealing with grief that I felt came from a place of like real maturity and, and wisdom. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so like, I think this subject of, of, of grief calls for like a high statement or something really like, it's something you, I think you need to be very gentle with. And so for this movie to just kind of be like, we're going to touch on some things and then, not really like put like we're like we're really not gonna make a statement on it. I'm like I really feel like you were close to doing something with it. You know, I think that's what it is. Like it's what it could have been, and I know that yeah. it's a long conversation I, like to get to that that statement. But I feel like that's the best way I can put it, and that's like one of the only knocks I have against this film is I was like, you guys were so close to really like n hitting a home run. I think you you know you made it to third base, but you didn't hit a home run for me. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, it's an interesting, um, note, um, about sort of the, uh, guilt and whatnot. Um, I think, I think the Irishman is maybe a little unfair just because of how, um, virtuosic it is like in its entirety. Um, and the fact that it, you know, I, I don't know. Like this is this guy's first like feature. You know what I mean? So That's like, true. Well, I mean, amazing by the way. Yeah. Um, and, and I, th I would say, you know, this movie has for me, um, this movie does have something to say in that, um, it's about the destruction or it's about how harboring these things led to the destruction of, of this family. Um, and, and about, 
you know, partially about how, you know, things passed on, um, you know, often will, will leave lasting repercussions, um, you know, throughout families and mistakes early on in, in, you know, in life can, you know, have tragic consequences and whatnot. Um, but I, I, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree. I don't think this is like the most, um, revelatory movie ever, but I, I also don't know if it needs to be in my mind. And, you know, what does that say about, about Astor as a, as a, filmmaker that he can make you know in his in his debut a movie that is touching and and kind of leaning on these things that many most directors don't even come close to in mm. you know their entire life so true um true. i i think this is i think i would consider this a success that we're having this discussion um yeah you yeah know, more more than a knock against a movie because i i think it you know maybe it doesn't go um you know, full, full depth, uh, in, in a lot of ways, but, um, but it does, it does really lean into it and it does, it does achieve something spectacular, um, you know, regardless and, and sure there's a little bit of hand waving uh, away at the end, um, where you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're just, we're, we got to wrap it up. You know I'm, what I mean? I'm just um, saying, take up the man, like give it like, yeah, Take it, yeah, you know, yeah. like, but, make but, but again, you know? like it's, it's, it's important to note, like this, this was, um, you know, I just, I think this is a, this is a great example of someone coming out the gate swinging a hundred percent and being, being on top of things, um, thematically. Uh, and it's, it's, you know, for me, I think, I think it's super impressive. Um, and, it, and, and, uh, a a good ex- uh, I mean I I'm ex- I I'll just say I'm excited to see where his career goes. Um, oh yeah, and and how he he flourishes. Now so. I I can imagine Juzo sitting there being like, well Isaac, you don't want to watch or experience media that doesn't agree with your worldview. That's not what I'm saying. I I want to make that clear. Like I don't. It's not that I don't want to explore other perspectives, but it's like there's some level of like there's there's something about like when you're touching like some some deep themes where you kind of have to complete the circle for me in order for me to be like oh i really respect like some of the the statements even if i don't agree with them like there's something that has to come come around to it at least with like kite runner i felt like that book at least closed the loop it was like this this is the ending statement that i have and i was like well i don't necessarily like agree with the way you got to that point and i think that like the conversation around dealing with grief and its resolution i was like "Mm, not not where i'm with and i like i don't i don't agree with it but at least it closed the loop like this movie i felt like it could have closed the loop and honestly i felt like a lot of what it was saying i could have like chewed on and and like brought to this new like like really brought some wisdom and insight into my own life like it could have been it could have pushed the boundaries and so i like i could go on forever but i just want to say like it's not that i'm against people sharing their views by any mean i just close like closing the loop and having it resonate with me is like that's like that's the pot of gold right like that's where i'm like oh my gosh like that's where it's and and we've seen so many great directors do it from like um 
oh gosh, like we've just we've watched a lot of great movies that have closed the loop and knocked the knocked it out of the park with the statement. Like the apartment is just flawless for that. So, um, but yeah, this this movie is is definitely great. Um, go into it with some expectation, some expectation, and I think that's why I I have like I'm leaning into like it's for it's for the curious. Or, or if you're lucky and you, you, you flip the coin, you might also love it. I don't know. It's, it's a strange, it's a strange movie, but definitely no, definitely like a highlight, I think for the last five years in horror. I agree. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's, it, it says something that, that we're talking about it on the, on the next level of, of, uh, meaning in a lot of ways, because that, that shows you how successful it was, um, or at least how effective it is. Um, yeah, it in, left in what it does. It definitely left me wanting more um, with the analysis. So maybe that's like kind of it. It's like the mind tick, right? Like it's really, it's really digging into it for me. So, yeah. Well, and I, I would also say it leaves you, it leaves you feeling um, the. I mean, just the images in the movie and and the the horror of it. You know, it's another one of these movies that's that's pretty imprinted in my brain in my brain since the first time watching it. Actually, this was I saw it first in theaters. This was only the second time watching it, and it was one that kind of left a big impact on me in terms of how it, you know, how how I thought about horror movies in a lot of ways. So, yeah, um, yeah. Well, so good. Thank you, Cameron, for. Uh the recommendation thank you patrons for the vote uh we appreciate you guys we post every monday it's been good to close out horror month we'll have info on what we're doing in november soon and we'll catch you next monday cinema spectator is an ecfs productions podcast that is fully funded on patreon.com Shout out to our producers, Darren O'Neill and Tim Smith for supporting the show and to the rest of you that support us at patreon.com slash ECFS productions. If you want to learn more about the benefits you can get, check out our Patreon. The show cannot happen without you great listeners. So we thank you for all your kindness and support.